Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. She was sold at birth. Now, her mom took her to get an abortion, but the abortionist didn't abort her. Instead, he took her after delivering her and sold her. It happened all too often. And today, this morning at 15 past the hour, Jane Blasio is going to be on our program to tell us the story about how she was sold at birth and how she organized the Hicks babies in Georgia, the victims of this abortionist. And we're going to hear that story coming up at 15 past the hour. Also on the program, 35 past the hour, the exorcist, Father Lampert, is back on the program. You might remember last week we talked about uh, the uh, the shoes, Converse shoes, the high tops, remember those? And the occult symbols that are now uh, on a limited run. Well, Father Lampert has warning parents Playing with the occult is harmful to the souls of your kids. We're going to talk to the exorcist, Father Vincent Lampert, at 35 past the hour. It's going to be a jam-packed show. Hopefully you can join us for all or part of that. And don't forget, in the second hour, for those of you that can join us, praise be to God, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show, and prizes are involved, and we love to give out prizes, but we most of all love to hang out with you, the audience. So in the second hour, there's plenty of opportunity to do that, to talk to you about whatever is on your heart and your mind, and uh, you can hang out with us online if you like at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can watch live, comment live there, all of that and more at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. Three days in a wake up. Yes, three more days and I won't have to wake up as early anymore. But but you will because, you know, you want to be an incredible That's... human being. <laughs> All incredible human beings get up early. Yes, well, yes, I will be getting up early because I need to, um, I guess, readjust my sleeping schedule. <laughs> That uh, might take a bit. Just think about the edge you will have on all other students at the school when when, when you tell them you're up at 4 a.m. <laughs> five days a week. I get to start my day earlier. Exactly. Earlier. You'll be smarter and more ahead of everyone. I mean, you just, you'll have the edge on everyone. I guess that, I guess that is a perk of sleep, waking up early all the time. <laughs> oh, well, praise okay. be to God. Uh, so we're we're counting down. Friday is your last day, and uh, yes. we're we've been very grateful to have you on the team this summer, and and we wish you the best uh, as you get ready to go back to school. Next week, though, is very interesting. And uh, Adrian, good morning to you. Tell us about what's going to happen next week. Yes, next week will be very exciting. Uh, we have a lot planned for the next week because. Uh, Joe and I will be uh, at a retreat. So our Monday will be the Feast of the Assumption, so we're off. And so, or I guess Sunday is the Feast of the Assumption. Monday we get off the day after the Assumption. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have our GRN retreat. And so we will be in Midland. And so because of that, we will still have a regularly scheduled program, but it won't be live. It'll be a pre-recorded show. We have Father Frankovich on Monday to talk about forgiveness. And on Tuesday, we have Patrick Coffin. On Wednesday, we have Gabriel Castillo. And then on Thursday, I'm waiting on a couple people. So that's what we're looking for. But I think it might be 
Janet Smith, but I'm not certain wow. yet. So we'll Very see. Cool. And then we'll be back on Friday. So we, we got a great lineup of content. It's not uh, we're not rehashing old content. It's uh it's gonna be new content, but we just won't be live in the studio. The good news is I guess we get to sleep in three days next week. Or four. I, I, what uh, is the? Do we get sleep in on the retreat? What we time get to do we sleep have to wake up? At least five a.m. Uh, let's see. Oh, on wow. Monday on our day off because uh, it's a holy day of obligation, and then uh, on the retreat itself, we can sleep into at least five five thirty. I would say. Well, without in that case, uh, I didn't know we slacked off that much on retreat. <laughs> wow. Well, it's good to know. It's good to know ahead of time. Well, you and I will be responsible for waking everybody else up at the retreat. I, don't worry. That? I brought my bagpipes. <laughs> I brought my bagpipes. Don't I worry. I can't wait to see you in the kilt as well. Hey, all right. So we're going to have a great show today. Praise be to God. Uh, we're going to have uh, Jane Blasio on to tell her story. Taken at Birth is the name of her book. That's at 15 after. And then Father Vincent Lampert, The Exorcist is going to be on at 35 after. Uh, going to be a great program today. Don't forget, though, you can catch the podcast of our show. You can uh, get the links to our social feeds. Watch live. Jump on our email list. There's so many things you can do right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Just to keep you up to date, though, uh, you know, YouTube, as we've been saying, has been, uh, they struck us because they did not like our conversation with the attorney from the Thomas More Society. Uh, and uh, the Thomas More Institute, rather, uh, to talk about the legality of vaccine mandates. What can a person do if their employer is going to require them to get the vaccine as a prerequisite for employment? Do they have rights? What Do they have recourse? What would that be? We had that conversation, and YouTube said you're not allowed to have that conversation. They deleted the video, and then they gave us a channel strike and refused to allow us to stream live or post for a whole week. So we have, a, I think, at least another day to go in that uh, in that strike. But the reality is, if we're going to have conversations of consequence, let's just say, um, I don't think we're going to have a great future on YouTube. So be sure to connect with us uh, on our email list to stay in touch with us. And again, streaming live on our website does help with that. We still have some hurdles to overcome with the tech and getting everything uh, ready to go. But... Make sure you're on that email list. That's probably one of the best things you can do right now, joining our email list. And you can do that by pulling out your cell phone and texting the letters GRN to the number 42828. So text the letters GRN to the number 42828. You'll get on our email list, and then you'll also get an email from us right away with a free talk from Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy. It's a powerful 30-minute talk about where we're at right now in the church, where we're headed, and what we need to do about that. You're going to enjoy that talk. Plus, you'll get an email from me at least once a week with fresh content just for the CDT insiders. So uh, join, join up now. All right, let's pray and jump into this. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janelle A. Today is Tuesday, August the 10th. Here are some headlines from Church Militant. Denying communion on the tongue. Peruvian bishop refuses Eucharist to kneeling Catholics. Papal death threat? Three bullets mailed to Pope. 
immigrant murders French priest, killer arrested year before for Nady's cathedral fire. Texas court forces child transgenderism. Mom gets full custody despite grooming accusations. Criminal charges for organ harvesters. Catholic U.S. Senate's candidate slams University of Pittsburgh. Michigan vax protest. Thousands descend on state capitol. In other news, reported by Breitbart, CNN helped raise over 230k for mom worried about eviction, then issued correction she is not the mother. CNN recently published the story of a mom of three worried about being evicted due to the federal eviction moratorium and highlighted a GoFundMe to help with her rent. However, it turned out that the woman was not their mother at all, Fox News reported on Monday. In an update on the story featuring the headline, more than $170,000 raised in 24 hours for a Las Vegas woman facing eviction, the outlet said after CNN aired a story about her potential eviction, Dasha Kelly clarified to CNN that she is not the mother of the three children featured in the story. The outlet noted it verified she cares for them in her home for periods of time, and she said she initially described herself to CNN as a mom because she considered herself to be one to the children. The correction read, CNN has learned the children are also cared for by their mother, Shadia Hilo, and their father, David Allison, who is Kelly's boyfriend. GoFundMe tells CNN that they are close; they are in close contact with Kelly, and funds will stay on hold until they verify her information. GoFundMe says no funds have been withdrawn. In the original video, Watt claimed Kelly had pawned or sold nearly everything she had. As of Monday, what appeared to be Kelly's GoFundMe page had raised $233,770 of its $2,000 goal. And reported by the National Review, court awards full custody to James Younger's mother, but requires permission for puberty blockers and gender surgeries. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Tuesday, August the 10th. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Amadeus of Portugal. He was born in 1420 in Morocco as Wao de Menses da Silva. He was born to the Portuguese nobility and the youngest of 11 children of Rue Gomez. The Count of Vienna and Isabel de Menses, the brother of Saint Beatrice de Silva Menses. He was a courtier to the Empress Eleonora of Portugal and was married briefly. He became a monk at the Heronite Monastery of Santa Maria de Guadalupe for 10 years and entered the Franciscans in 1453 in Assisi, Italy as a lay brother. He was a hermit and was ordained in 1459. He found them, founded the Monastery of the Virgin of Peace near Milan, Italy, and led a community under the strict Franciscan rules. I wonder if they still exist. They were known as the Amadistan or Amadiris or Maragano reform. And at one point, there were 28 houses following their example, but all eventually merged with the Franciscans. He wrote on prophecy and a commentary in the book of Revelation. Amadeus's work was praised by Pope Sixtus IV, King Ferdinand the Catholic of Aragon, and St. Louis IX of France. He died on the 10th of August, 1482, in Milan, Italy, of natural causes. He was buried under the high altar of his monastery in Milan. Blessed Amadeus of Portugal, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen. 
Amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am there also my servant must be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysostom said the Gentiles were to be called after the Jews had finally offended after his crucifixion. Now then, that the Gentiles of their own accord offered their faith, he saw that his crucifixion could not be far off. And what he's talking about here is if you back up a few verses in John 12, John, this passage is one of my favorites. I, I think I say that a lot, but I mean it this time. And it's because of how incredible uh, things start to escalate very quickly. The Gentiles show up and things get kicked off. It's his passion that gets kicked off. And I love this, unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it, bear, it does not bear much fruit. Well, it has to die and then it bears fruit. Let me ask you a question. What is the fruit of a grain of wheat? But bread, bread. Bread is the fruit of a grain of wheat. There's a nod here, and the early church fathers saw a nod to the Holy Eucharist in this passage. It's powerful stuff. But here's the real kicker. Jesus' words, his powerful words to his disciples, that you must die to yourself, you must take up your cross, and you must be where the Lord is. If we have not gone to the crucifix, if we have not gone to Calvary and there allowed ourselves to be nailed next to our Lord, we must ask ourselves, what does it mean to be his disciples? In a world that surrounds us and says that we must be like the world, Christ is begging us to be like him for the sake of the salvation of the souls in the world. We must die to self. Augustine says this, but what is it to serve Christ? The very words explain. They serve Christ to seek not their own things, but the things of Jesus Christ, i.e. who follow him, walk in his, not their own ways, do all good works for Christ's sake, not only works of mercy to men's bodies, but all others, till at length they fulfill that great work of love and lay down their lives for the brethren. Eternity is the goal, not just another 80, 90 years on this planet, but eternity. Hell is real and people go there. Let us be at the service of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for the salvation of souls and for the glory of God. We'll be right back. Jane Blasio is going to be up next to tell her story. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. 
Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, exorcist Father Lampert warns parents about the dangers of playing around with the occult, especially in light of these, uh, this the shoe line from Converse, putting out the pentagram, this uh, satanic symbol. And we're going to have a conversation around that at 35 past the hour with Father Vincent Lambert. So stick around for that. Joining us right now via Zoom chat, Jane Blasio is on. She is the author of Taken at Birth, Sold at Birth. It's an incredible story, and we're looking forward to having the conversation. Good morning to you, Miss Blasio. Hi, good morning. Did I say your name correctly? Uh, you did. <laughs> Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Uh, it's good to have you on. Uh, we're very grateful to you. Now, uh, this is a kind of a crazy story, actually. Uh, your mother, your birth mom, took you to have a, an abortion, to abort you, but the abortionist didn't abort you. Tell us what happened. So that is not confirmed. Okay. So I, I don't have that confirmation, but uh, a well, lot good. of Because <laughs> that's a horrible story. That's true. Yeah, yes. <laughs> So now, now what happened was there was another birth mother that has been cur- confirmed that that was her story. Oh, so I that see. was not that was not mine, but that was somebody else's story. And there were a lot of women that went to the doctor because it was an abortion clinic. And uh, sometimes, the, if the child was viable, if it was a late term abortion, he would go ahead and sell the child. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, how many children were affected by this. So we believe approximately 200 babies came out of the clinic and went to the Akron area alone. So it could be, it could be upwards of the 200. Wow, 200. Now, and, and you said that there have been confirmed cases where the doctor did, in fact, take these babies. Uh, was the? Do we have any idea if the birth moms were involved in the process of deciding this, or did they know, not know? Can you? What can you tell us? Yeah, so there were there were a lot of different circumstances. Uh, some of the women were married um, with children, and their husbands took them to the clinic, and they thought they were going to go home with the baby, and Dr. Hicks would tell them that the baby died, and then he would sell the baby. Or they would have twins, and he would tell them one didn't make it, or he just wouldn't tell them that they had twins. Wow. Because, yeah, because there, there wasn't a lot of prenatal care and you know just a lot of different circumstances. So you know if they didn't know they had twins, well, then, then he just went ahead and sold one of them. So what exactly happened to these children after they were sold? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Um, I mean, there's a process, and I can tell you what happened with me and my sister and some of the other adoptees where basically he called them and called the parents and said, I have a baby. And um, I'm sorry, call, let me, it's, it's a, a huge story, a lot of details, so it can be very confusing to, to just answer it in one question. Um so he, people would be put on a waiting list, and he would call them and say, I have a baby, mm. and then you have 24 hours to come down and get the baby, or I go to the next person on the waiting list. 
So then the parents would drive from Akron, Ohio, or from wherever it was that they you know were from, and they would go ahead and give him cash or check and, and get a baby for it. Now, what I said about the it being you know a little a few more details on that is, is that we really there are so many people that went there, and there are so many different circumstances. I, I keep hearing more and more different stories that are coming out of the clinic on the darkness of what he did and with the abortions, because he was known for the abortions more than he was for the adoptions. When I first ran into the town and started doing the research, no one knew about the adoptions. They knew about the abortions. Hmm. I I almost hate to ask this question. Um, Good. How, what did he get for a baby? What was, what was his going price? So it ranged from 200 and we actually, we have someone that just came out in the last uh, couple of years where he was charging 10000 for baby. 10000 Yeah, which confirms what I've said all along. This wasn't something that he was doing to help the women. Huh. He was doing this as a business. Wow. So, and you have to think, too, $200 to $1,000, that was the majority of the prices. In today's numbers, that's, you're looking at $30,000, $40,000 per baby. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, that's disturbing. Now, how long uh, was this uh, Dr. Thomas Hicks doing this? At what point? I mean, is he still alive today? Is he passed? When did, when did this end? No. So he died in 1972. Okay. And yeah. So it started in the 40s and went into the 60s. And to date, I'm the last one to come out of there. And that was in 1965. You were the last one. Yes, that wow. we know of. So. Wow. We're talking with Jane Balasio. She's got a book out called Taken at Birth, which you can find over at bakerpublishinggroup.com, by the way. Uh, you should check that out. Now, so tell us about how you grow up and how this affected you. And when did you learn about your, your past and, and uh, what, what went on in your life as you discovered that? So my sister, Michelle, was also bought from the clinic four years earlier. So one day when I was six years old, I got called into the house and my parents explained that we were adopted um, because we had heard on the playground that day, someone had said that we were black market babies Ooh. and that they were us. Yes. And I was six, so I really didn't understand it. I just understood that there was some intensity going on between my parents and my sister and, and what they were talking about. My sister, Michelle, she, she knew a little more. She was 10 years old. So um, that was very intense. So that was when it started. And then it just kind of built. You know, every time I would find more information out and as I got older and understood more what adopted meant and then, you know, eventually confirming and understanding what, you know, black market meant. Um, so it was uh, early on, you know, I, I started, I just kind of, it's kind of my reality and you don't think that there's anything that's, you know, special about, you know, mm-hmm. about your growing up when it's a little crazy because people say to me all the time, this is, wow, what a crazy circumstance. But when it's yours and you're dealing with it and you're just trying to find your information, it's really not that crazy. Did Now, my oldest son is adopted, so uh, I can appreciate at least some of the story. But um, at what point in your life did you did you feel the need? Because, uh, you know, I understand you're sort of leading the charge for these Hicks babies. So at what point in your life did you feel the need to investigate, to, to figure some stuff out, to organize the other children that were involved? Oh, you know, so my whole life, there's, there's two, two answers to that. My whole life, I knew I wanted to find my birth family. From the time I understood what adopted was, I wanted to know who looked like me. I wanted to know, you know, where I got my, my, uh, my genes from, my mm-hmm. heritage. 
So that was always, I mean, and I also didn't like to be said, I didn't like to be told no. So (laughs) basically people always say, oh, but you know what you did. I'm like, oh no, no, no one, no one likes to be told no. And no one likes to be, you know, no one likes to be lied to. And so that was basically what was my, the, you know, the, (laughs) the basis of my going back and finding my birth family was I just wanted to know who I look like. and, And if someone told me I couldn't do that, then that was, I found it anyway. around, you know, yeah. um, you know, the, the story broke in 1997. I had been researching it, investigating it from the early eighties. And uh, when I turned 18, I really, uh, you know, I had been looking for doing the search for years by myself. And I got to a point where I knew, all, you know, all kinds of stories about the doctor, the townsfolk, you know, the birth mothers and you know, hearing these stories, the, you know, some of the kids and, I had been doing it mostly by myself. And so I thought, well, you know, if I just get the other people, you know, with me, the other Hicks babies with me, they could help me out. And when I found out that there were 200 other, you know, approximately 200 other babies that were sold to Akron, Ohio alone, that was when I said, okay, let me see if I can't find some of them. And so I approached a newspaper and asked them to put it in their, one of their columns, it was a very popular columnist. And I just put a little note in there that said, Anyone from the Hicks Clinic, if you could give me, you know, could contact me. And then it went from there and it became a, a front page story and it just kind of blew up from there. Oh, wow. So that was 97 when the group of the, you know, us got together and started to kind of, um, you know, form and, and move forward from there. So it's been a long, been now, a long time. <laughs> can you give us a sort of a, an understanding of, maybe the scale of impact this has had on those, on some of those victims, um, you know, where are they at? I mean, uh, has there been, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to understand the emotional damage done here. Uh, have some people handled it better than others? Maybe you can give us some sense of that. Okay. Well, first of all, no one likes, like I said, no one likes to be lied to. Yeah. You know, Amen. everyone deserves the truth, no matter what it is in their life, their circumstance. No one should have anything hidden from them. Everything comes out in the light. So I think that that is one of the, you know, one of the biggest things. Adoptees deal with abandonment issues. You know, where did we come from? And there's always that basis and you're not being told, you know, 100% of what's going on. So I think all, I think everybody that is affected by the Hicks Clinic, because they have no way to go back and get their records. They have to, basically, depending on, on the media to help us out, you know, and then having to research it and, you know, investigate. So that right there, you know, I think a lot of people are very weary, um, have trust issues. You know, if you know anything about the abandonment issues, that definitely applies to this group. But we have some very extreme um, issues. You know, we have some of the Hicks babies and their adoptive families were abused. Mm. Some sexually, so some emotionally. And, I mean, that's it runs across the cords of, you know, of everything, adopted or not. But... The thing with this that was really one one of the worst things, just one of the worst things, was that there's no safety net for these children, none. So you know, you have a baby and you take it home. What are you gonna, you know, what happens if that home isn't isn't good? You know, yeah. what happens? You know, there's a situation where the adoptive parents passed away very young. So then, where does that child go? We have about a minute and a half left in the conversation. Um, what, to your knowledge, is anything like this happening today? Is this, or is this like something in a bygone era? This is this was uh, one of the earlier American examples of human trafficking. 
so exactly like this? I don't know. I would say no. It's probably going to fall more into like gray market adoption. But it is definitely a good example of human trafficking. You're selling something. You're selling a baby. You're selling someone um, just for the sheer business part of it with absolutely no ties to who that person is as as a his humanity. You know, it's just it's just as bad as the abortion part. Wow. You, turning turning a human being into a commodity. Now, do you get together with these other uh, children out of this Hicks Clinic? Do you guys uh, get together, you know, frequently or how does that work? So as a, as a larger group, um, not often, um, but I do have uh, some of them that are like family to me. Mm. Uh, people that I consider to be my sisters and my brothers. And cause we've, we've been doing this together since 1997. Wow. So, you, you know, common yeah. bonds. Yeah, for sure. I can imagine there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, consolation and support in being with a group that can understand and appreciate what you've been through. Uh, the book is Taken at Birth, and it's put out by uh, Baker Publishing Group. You can find them at bakerpublishinggroup.com. That's bakerpublishinggroup.com. Uh, they have an ebook version as well, so you might want to check that out. But uh, we're very grateful to you for being on with us and sharing this uh, this story. Boy, uh, it makes our gut wrench to hear these types of things, but uh, we're, we're very glad to see God moving through you to help these other people. So, uh, Jane Blasio, thank you for your time today. Thank you. God love you and God bless you and have a great day. All right, uh, check them out again at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Get, find the book there. It'd be great to, uh, to share that with others maybe. Coming up uh, here in just a minute, we're going to go to a break. and we come back, we're going to have breaking news and stories with Janelle, one of her last news segments uh, ever on Catholic Drive Time. Her last day is Friday, by the way. Uh, but we're also going to have a conversation with the exorcist, Father Vincent Lampert, about the occult and how parents need to be warned about uh, the occult, occult symbols, and just toying with the idea could be very harmful to the souls of your kids. We're going to have that conversation. Coming up next, don't go anywhere. Catholic Draft Time sending your way. The Catechism defines an indulgence as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. But is it biblical to say punishment remains after God has forgiven our sins and that we can do something to satisfy it? I think it is. For example, David is forgiven of his sin in 2 Samuel 12, but yet must suffer the death of his son. Even Jesus teaches in Luke 12 that the servant who sins without full knowledge will be punished, but in a lesser degree. It is such temporal consequences that indulgences remit. Exercising her power to bind and loose, the church grants indulgences to help her children heed St. Paul's exhortation in Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation. So, is the Catholic understanding of an indulgence biblical? You bet it is. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Lots of headlines today from Breitbart. TikTok comedian runs wild in the White House for coronavirus vaccine promotion. From LifeSite, 
Vatican demands COVID-19 green pass for entry to historic museums. Biden DOJ threatens states against election audits and new voting laws. Vice Rector of American Seminary in Rome resigns after homosexual misconduct allegations. And from the Epic Times, Prince Andrew sued by Epstein accuser over alleged sexual abuse. Attention turns from Tokyo Olympics to Beijing 2022 amid calls for boycott. Reported by Breitbart, Apple tries to calm blowback against intruding on iPhone users' privacy. Recently, Apple announced a new addition to its upcoming iOS 15 and iPad OS 15 firmware for iPhones and iPads. The new feature will allow Apple to scan user photos stored in Apple's iCloud service and determine if they contain sexually explicit images involving children. Following a blowback against the Masters of the Universe scanning the devices of its customers, the company is now promising it will not abuse the feature or allow governments to dictate what types of data iPhones are scanned for. Apple claims that the way it detects CSAM, child sexual abuse material, is designed with user privacy in mind and is not directly accessing iCloud users' photos, but rather utilizing a device local hash-based lookup and matching system to cross-reference the, the hashes of user photos with the hashes of known CSAM. However, many privacy experts are apprehensive about the new system. NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden tweeted about the issue stating, No matter how well-intentioned Apple is rolling out mass surveillance to the entire world with this, make no mistake, if they can scan for this today, they can scan for anything tomorrow. Now Apple is attempting to reassure users that their privacy will remain intact with the implementation of this new feature. The Verge reports that Apple has stated it will not be influenced by foreign governments to use the new tech to violate user privacy. And lastly, also reported by Breitbart, Massachusetts coronavirus data shows average age of breakthrough case deaths is 82 and a half years old. Data from the Massachusetts Department of Public Health released on Monday shows the average age of vaccinated individuals who have died from coronavirus is 82 and a half years old, and that 73% of those who have died had underlying conditions. The new data revealed 395 hospitalizations and 100 deaths have occurred from breakthrough coronavirus cases, according to a Boston Herald report. Breakthrough cases refer to individuals who have been infected with the virus after being fully vaccinated. As of last week, DPH data showed that the Bay State had seen a total of 7,737 breakthrough cases. The Herald observed a recent uptick in both breakthrough cases and overall infections. The outlet noted breakthrough cases were accounting for about one-third of the state's overall cases, as the seven-day average of new breakthrough cases as of last week was 195 compared with 598 new overall cases. The 82.5-year-old median age of the deaths is about five years older than the U.S. average life expectancy, which is 77.3 years old as of last year. The updated details about the breakthrough deaths come after the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued new guidance at the end of July due to several concerning developments and newly emerging data signals. The agency specifically tied the emergence of the Delta variant, saying it was more infectious and more easily transmittable than previous variants. 
And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Tuesday. Praise be to God. Thank you, uh, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now via Zoom chat is uh, Father Vincent Lampert, a priest in the Diocese of Indiana, Archdiocese of Indianapolis, and an exorcist. And you might recall that last week we had a conversation during once in one of our What's Concerning Us segments about these shoes, Converse shoes, which broke my heart because as a kid, these were iconic and I, I you know, had one pair as a kid and boy, did I love them. And to see uh, Converse go down this dark road, and I mean that literally, not just figuratively, because it's uh, they actually call them Turbo Dark Chuck. And there's a limited run. Rick Owens, the designer, has put a pentagram uh, on them. And I, this is dangerous stuff. And to discuss that, as well as to uh, talk about his article over at the National Catholic Register, Father Vincent Lampert is here. Good morning to you, Father. Good morning, Joe. It's good to be with you today. Praise be to God. It's good to have you back. Thank you for your time again. Uh, can we just start with the occult? Maybe we can define terms. What is the occult and what are some of the examples? The, the word occult comes from the Latin word occultus, and it means hidden or secret. And it has to do things that are associated with the paranormal. So uh, we can think of satanic symbols. You just mentioned the pentagram. It's associated with things like magic. It can also be people going to see a psychic or a median. Basically, it's anything that someone is doing that violates the first commandment, which says that nothing should ever be a substitute for God in our lives. Uh, Father, what if uh, people would say things like, you know, it's just a symbol. It doesn't actually have any power. It's just just lines. Uh, it's no big deal. I don't think it's God. Uh, so it's not violating the first commandment. How would you respond to that? I would say that like on these tennis shoes, what's going to happen is that it's going to create an interest in what that's all about. And then people are going to delve deeper. So even though it may be something on the surface level, it can cause people to delve much deeper into the satanic world. And that's usually how the devil likes to operate in a very subtle way, just to kind of lure people in. And then oftentimes people are trapped in the world of evil and they didn't even see it coming. Hmm. Oh, I can imagine there's a lot of people out there who have friends or family members who they probably think, well, well you know, my, my aunt, I know she goes to a, a palm reader, uh, you know, that were, we play with uh, crystals or we read the horoscopes or, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of examples of, of the occult that have become commonplace or sort of um, uh, accepted norms, that kind of thing. What would you say to people that are in those circumstances? Father Vincent? Well, the good news, based on our faith, is that it's never too late to make a uh, return to God. We can always repent, and God is always going to take us back. You know, the greatest thing that we can know isn't necessarily our sin, but it's God's love and mercy in our lives. So the human person has the capacity to grow in holiness and virtue. If we come to understand that's something that we were engaged in, especially of the occult world, we can repent from that and then uh, turn our lives around. Uh, confession, obviously making a good and uh, good confession. When one of the think uh, one of the areas I think a lot of uh, parents. Um, might struggle in being a parent myself is in helping their kids prepare for a holy confession. Now, if they've if they've had anything to do with like Ouija boards or or tarot cards or any of this stuff, uh, how should they approach that conversation with their kids? How should they help their kids prepare for a holy confession? Well, doing a good examination of conscience is so important 
And I think it is true that a lot of young people today just don't know how to go to confession. That's why they're not availing themselves of the sacrament. Oftentimes, people think about going to confession as being on a guilt trip. Hmm. But again, confession is a recognition that anything that we can name and turn over to God, we remove that from the realm of the devil. He can no longer use it against us. So again, once we confess our sins, we place them in God's hands. The devil cannot use that against us. So it's so important for parents just to talk to their kids about living in a right relationship with God and letting them know that certain practices that they're engaged in are uh, detrimental to that right relationship. You know, Father, I know it's the, the rise of atheism is uh, well known today. A lot of people are aware that young people are becoming atheists at very large and rapid rates. And I keep thinking of the uh, psalmist who says, uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And uh, it's Chica Testerton's famous quote, whenever you become a, when you become an atheist, you don't cease to believe in anything. You Instead, you believe in everything. Um, and I've noticed that a lot of my friends and family members who have become atheists uh, become very interested in the occult, become very interested in, uh, in tarot card readings and the like. So is there a relationship between the demonic and atheism? I think so, because uh, people that espouse to be atheists really want to put themselves in position of God. You know, that was the temptation of the serpent with Adam and Eve in the garden. Surely you will not die, you will become like gods. And I think that's why the growing trend of atheism today is because many people are living by three guiding principles. You may do whatever you wish, nobody has the right to command you, and you're the god of yourself. And things of the occult are putting people in positions of, of power, and basically we're trying to take the place of God. And ultimately, that was the sin of Lucifer. You know, he wanted to be God, and I think people today that turn atheism are just trying to take the place of God, because once we take the place of God, we can justify anything. Father Vincent Lampert is our guest. He is a, preacher, a, pr- a priest out of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and an exorcist. We have about uh, a minute and a half left before we have to go to break, and we'll continue our conversation after. Um, Father, could you talk to me about the the aspect of curiosity? Uh, I mean, I think lay folk are very curious, and they they I think we've come to uh, think that we have we have an entitlement to know everything all the time. Is there a danger in curiosity when it comes to the occult? I believe it is, because again, that's how the devil tries to lure us in. So going back to these tennis shoes, you know, somebody sees a pentagram on a pair of sneakers, they become intrigued by what that means. They start doing even more research. They try to grow in their knowledge and understanding of what that's all about. And then it continues to take them down a darker and darker path. All right, hold that thought. Father Vincent Lampert, the exorcist, is our guest. We're going to talk on the other side of this break more about the occult, the warnings, the dangers, and what parents need to do. All that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality. 
and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Father Vincent Lampert is our guest from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Uh, my old stomping grounds, uh, kind of, sort of. Most of my family's from there. Uh, he's also an exorcist. We're talking about the occult. Good, Welcome back, and good morning to you, Father. Uh, Patty from our audience is asking a question. She wants to know if you might compare the current uptick in satanic activity to what uh, was happening around the time that famous movie Exorcist came out. Has there been uh, an, an increase, a rise in the occult activity around the world from your perspective, Father? Absolutely. You know, I always like to tell people that I don't necessarily believe that the devil has upped his game, but that more people today are willing to play the devil's game. So as faith is in decline across many parts of the world, people are no longer believing in God. And then either we believe in God or we believe in something else. And that's where the uptick in the cold activity is coming from. And I would say, too, that, you know, our power against Satan is in proportion to our unwavering trust in God, and the fact is that many people today just no longer believe or trust in God, and that is what is giving the devil the upper hand. Mm. I want to ask you about subtle forms. Not, the, not We've been talking about more of the uh, overt, you know, obvious stuff, a pentagram, for instance, or maybe we can think of Ouija boards or tarot cards, things like that. But what about more subtle forms of the occult that have become sort of mainstream or sort of commonly ex- uh, accepted in in lives of families. What could you give us as examples of subtle forms of the occult that might be dangerous to to souls? I think there's many good examples of that, you know, whether it's uh, Catholics that are going to see a psychic or a median. Uh, I believe that that's mainstream today. People think that's just a form of entertainment, and there's nothing harmless about that. I look at uh, some practices today, like the practice of yoga, you know, that, you know, is very mainstream, and many people do that. And again, they may begin by just doing the exercise, but then the danger is they may become intrigued with the spirituality that's associated with that. Because I have a lot of people will say, well, there's nothing wrong with doing exercise. And the fact is, yeah, that is true. But again, if we're starting to delve into other practices that are contrary to our Christian belief, Mm. that's where the danger lies. 
you know, there is a uh, syncretism between the occult and uh, Mexican culture. And so our friend Jesus Robles, Officer Robles, said uh, in the Mexican culture, people were ill. They would use a limpua, which is a cleansing. They get an egg and they put it around the body. And there's like a Christianized version of it where they would pray the Our Father, make the sign of the cross with the egg, and it's supposed to take the bad energy away from you. Um, the, the, obviously, this is superstitious, but... How talk? Can you talk about the syncretism of mixing paganism with Christianity and how that's dangerous? Yeah, because again, when people start blending everything together, then people don't really believe in anything. And again, with all of those practices, we believe that the power resides with us rather than with God. And you're right. You know, I've known some priests who've worked in other parts of the world, and they see the fact that oftentimes Christianity is blended with other traditional local practices. I knew a priest one time that worked in South America indicated that uh, he was called to anoint the person, and as he was arriving, the uh, the curandero was leaving, you know, the uh, the local shaman or witch doctor. So the family wanted to cover all their bases. But again, if we're not living in that right relationship with God and giving him our complete trust, uh, you know, nothing good's going to come from that. Hmm. Father Vincent Lampert is our guest talking about the cult. You know, you were talking about uh, yoga practices that could be dangerous a minute ago. And it made me think immediately back when I was uh, a kid, I studied Kung Fu, Kempo Kung Fu. And my uh, my teacher, my instructor, actually led us in uh, these Buddhist meditations and Buddhist breathing practices. And at the time, I, I didn't it didn't even cross my mind that that might be dangerous, but I imagine that there's a certain percentage of people that might also be in that uh, category as well. And would you say that's also dangerous? Yes, and that's exactly what I mean by people are being lured in and may not even be aware of what's going on. And ultimately, that's how the devil would prefer to operate. You know, he being dragged into the limelight isn't necessarily his desire. He'd rather work on the fringes and in the shadows to begin to unravel people's lives. So I think that's where we really have to be more concerned about what I would say is the ordinary activity of the devil. Everybody's always interested in the extraordinary activity that we see, you know, displayed in movies, you know, the the demonic infestations, the possessions, the vexations, the obsessions, the mental attacks. But all of us should be more aware about how the devil is trying to uh, unravel and attack us in the ordinary circumstances of our daily living. You know, I want to go back to the entertainment. As a dad, I'm always looking to find entertainment that's wholesome or, or, or good that I can watch with my kids or allow my whole family to be entertained by. And, and I got to tell you, I struggle to find anything uh, that, uh, that we can watch as a family. And I'll, I'll, look, I'll be on the lookout for what's new, what's out there, what can I rent uh, even. And nowadays, it used to be when I was young, the only time you saw horror films was at October. You know, it was the October time frame. Just in time for Hollywood, ha- Halloween, they put out all the horror films. Now, it's all the time everywhere. Uh, do you see uh, the explicit desensitization of the masses on horror, on diabolical, on the occult it, through entertainment? And I guess that's at the heart of what your warning is in your article on the shoes. Absolutely, because again, you know, that's really what the devil is trying to do, is to become mainstream. And all of these things are making the devil more mainstream. You look at the entertainment industry again, it's creating a fascination with the reality of evil. 
So people today, you know, they really, unfortunately, don't want a whole lot to do with God, but there's that such a strong focus and attention on the demonic world. You look at the entertainment industry, shows that are on television, books that are out there, everything is glamorizing the devil and his demons. Absolutely. I noticed uh, myself, uh, I was speaking with a family member the other day, and we were talking about angels and demons, and uh, my friend, my cousin, uh, said the uh, was like, "Would you say that the the devil is charismatic?" And I was I was like, "Yes, absolutely. He's very charismatic. Uh, you see him talk to our Lord at the temptation when he was in the desert. Uh, very charismatic. Very well versed in Scripture. Uh, very intelligent. And it's very dangerous because you know movies and TV shows like uh, Lucifer is kind of like a modern day Paradise Lost, and it makes you uh, sympathetic to the devil as if the devil is actually the good guy here. And this is incredibly dangerous." Because it really, I know a lot of faithful Catholics who watch this show and are like, you know, I understand, I know the devil's bad, but like, but I mean, in, in the TV show, he's very attractive and things like that. Uh, could you speak about how we get back from here? Because it seems like it's not, we're not heading that direction. We're already there where the devil has become this um, well known and well liked creature in, uh, in the modern world. I would say when it comes to the entertainment industry, all of us need to realize that everything that we're watching and reading is catechetical in nature. It's trying to teach us something, and it's trying to, as you just suggested, change the image and reality of who the devil really is, being pure evil. So again, he's trying to be portrayed today as something good and wholesome, and people are being attracted to that. I think the solution is for people to know their Christian faith. Mm. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times people will watch programs about the devil. You know, they'll read books on, you know, that have to do with magic and whatnot. But very few of these people have ever picked up the Bible or the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So they can tell you everything about the world of the devil and magic, but they can't tell you anything that's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Mm. What about entertainment that includes uh, spells, for instance, uh, books that include actual texts of spells, and I, and I know everybody's thinking Harry Potter. That's not what I'm thinking, actually. I actually found I had a book years ago that I found at a bookshop. It was on the uh, the Gaelic culture, uh, which is my heritage, and I was very fascinated by that. But as I began to read it, I discovered that they were actually putting, including pagan um, rituals and pagan uh, spells inside the text, and so I threw the book away. Uh, what would you say to to entertainment of that nature? I think, again, books of that nature, you know, if we're well-grounded in our faith and our relationship with God, we can read those things, but we can filter all of that through our relationship with God and come to a deeper understanding of God's rightful place in our lives. So, again, the danger would be when people don't know their faith and then they read these things, it pulls them in the wrong direction. If one is well-grounded in their faith and they're viewing these things, he could actually solidify their core beliefs and say, you know, like you just said, you know, you realize this was contrary to the faith and you threw it away. And hopefully by even looking at that for a few brief moments, it caused you to even want to grow more deeply in your own relationship with God. 
Yeah. Uh, real quick, I think it was, uh, was it Father Gabriel Amorth who once said, the devil is not under every rock, but every other rock? I can't remember who exactly. That was Father Ripperger. Father was it? I can't yes. recall. But uh, either way, do you see, uh, do we see horrific crimes now? Maybe it's the advent of the cell phone camera that makes it more ubiquitously available, but we're seeing incredible, uh, horrible crimes being displayed in the public space. Do you see the diabolical in that? Absolutely. I think any attack on the human person has some demonic component, and it's based on the the fact that the human person is God's greatest creation. Each and every one of us is created in the image and likeness of God, and the devil believes that by attacking God's greatest creation, then he's able to indirectly attack God. You know, it's we look at horrific crimes, but even look at, on a much broader scale, look at the issue of abortion the attack on human life at its very, very beginning. And again, I think all of that is very destructive because the devil believes that by destroying the human person, he is indirectly retaliating against God. Hmm. Yeah. Father Vincent Lampert, uh, thank you for your time today. Would you give us your priestly blessing, please? May the Lord be with all of you, and may he send his blessing upon you this day and every day in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. God bless you, Father Vincent Lampert. Have a great day, and thank you again for your time. I encourage everybody to check out his article at the National Catholic Register on the uh, Converse shoes, and definitely don't buy them. Uh, Terrible stuff. At any rate, that is going to do it for the first hour of our show. Thank you to everyone who was able to join us. If you can join us in the second hour, praise be to God. We have good news coming. We also have uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and our Fear and Trembling Trivia Game Show. All that coming up in the next hour for those that can join. You can do so right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you, and God bless you. We'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? 
Acts 22.16. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter 3.21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. God is uh, so very good. And I'm just looking through the questions for the uh, upcoming Fear and Trembling Game Show coming up at 15 past the hour here. And uh, I don't know. These seem like reasonable questions. Not too hard. You don't have to know the answers anyway to win. You can still win not even knowing any of these. But uh, I think this is going to be a good good game today. So if you would like to play the game, which is coming up again at 15 past the hour, you do have to call to be our contestant. Uh, The phone number, the rules, all of it is posted to our website, but I'll give you the phone number. But if you want to call in early, you're welcome to call in and sit on hold, and that'll guarantee your your spot. But the phone number, all of it listed, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's the website. You'll find it there. Now, uh, we just wrapped up a couple of great conversations in the last hour. Father Vincent Lampert, the exorcist from Indianapolis, was on. Great conversation about the occult. And I loved the conversation uh, when we were talking about the more subtle aspects of the occult that we kind of give a pass to. We kind of look the other way and let these things in our lives, and that could be dangerous. And I appreciated that as a parent. So uh, great conversation. Now, we'll be posting this uh, later as a, an interview segment by itself on our social media sites, which, again, is linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We also spoke with Jane Blasio, who has a book out called Taken at Birth. She and 200 other uh, uh, people, uh, when their parents went to this particular doctor in Georgia, his name was Dr. Thomas Hicks, some of them were aborted and some were taken at birth and then sold uh, for a lot of money in some cases. And uh, Jane has written a book to recount that story, although that conversation was also very good in the last hour. But uh, we'll, again, we'll post these later today. 
You can find the links at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. Praise be to God. One of your last uh, good news segments is coming up next. Yes, I have two more days. uh, No, sorry, three more days in the studio before I... But you're not uh, counting. (laughs) The seconds, the ticking of the clock. Well, no, I'm not counting. I'm I'm enjoying um, the time I have left. (laughs) Praise be to God. Well, we're glad you're here. So Friday's your last day. Uh, I don't know. We got to do something special because, see, our deal is we're not here Monday. Mm, We're yes, not here yes. Monday, and then uh, Adrian and I are going to be gone for three days straight. We have like unique and and original content lined up to air while we're away. So uh, next, the only live show next week is Friday. So that leaves this Friday to embarrass you as much as possible live on the air. <laughs> is that so? So we have to like open the phone lines or something up for Friday. We'll have to oh. see how that goes. Oh boy! To, to, <laughs> to allow our listeners to. To embarrass you thoroughly. I'll need to spend the next few days um, emotionally preparing myself yes, for that. Yes, please do. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Speaking of emotional preparedness, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Are you emotionally prepared? Emotionally prepared? I What emotions? Um, I have none. <laughs> yeah. Just stoic. I'm just, I'm just stoic. You're a Vulcan? Is I that am, what you just said? I am. Can the, you do, can you do like the Vulcan sign with your hand? Have you ever been able to do that? I have no, I have no idea what you're referring to. <laughs> I uh, never seen Star Trek. What? So... That mm-hmm. wasn't an interview question when no. I hired you? Mm-mm. So you said Star Wars? I'm writing that down. I saw right Star now. Wars, but I'm I didn't see Star down. Trek. Uh, okay. Yeah. We're, we're never going to make that mistake again. Whoops. So we're, <laughs> we're going to have to ask these questions more explicitly in the interview process. But the good news is, though, that we will be back. Our YouTube overlords will allow us back on YouTube, I think, tomorrow. What? Uh, so we should be back on YouTube starting tomorrow. So thank you, YouTube overlords. Yeah. You're very kind. You are so in all, kind. In all your infinite mercy. You're so kind. Thank you for allowing us to, uh, to uh, you know, grace your, your, your platform to connect with human beings. You're, you're so wonderful to us. Thank you, overlords of YouTube. At any rate, praise be to God. Not, we're not bitter at all. No bitterness here. On, yeah, on our not a single <laughs> note of sarcasm not, is not present. Not a single one. All right, we're going to jump into the good news. We're also going to do Saint of the Day and Gospel of the Day, and hopefully we'll get a good new, a good uh, reflection in. Thank you to verboom.com forward slash GRN for sponsoring the Gospel Reflection. That's with a V, by the way, V-E-R-B-U-M, verboom.com forward slash GRN. And then we will play Fear and Trembling at 15 past. I'll give you the phone number. It's on our website. You can find it there as well. But let's pray and jump in into the the hour. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but... In thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news with Janelle Lay. Reported from the Epic Times, dying wish of terminally ill boy six is to see bikers ride past his house. 15,000 show up. From the National Catholic Register, Louisiana governor again calls for prayer and fasting amid COVID. Quote, I believe very strongly in the power of prayer, and there are thousands of people right now in Louisiana who need to be lifted up in prayer, end quote. Governor John Bell Edwards said in an August 6th statement, so I hope you will join your prayers to mine for healing and protection. 
Edward's call for prayer and fasting is planned for August the 9th to August 11th and will take place during the lunch hour. Edwards, a Catholic, was elected in November 2019 to his second term as Louisiana's governor. The governor reached out to hundreds of ministers and pastors throughout the state, asking them to join him and extend the invitation to anyone and everyone who is so inclined, no matter their religious beliefs. And an article also from the National Catholic Register, inspired by Blessed Carlo Ocutis, Hollywood producer and Catholic Internet host Take on Eucharistic Miracles movie. A longtime Hollywood producer has teamed up with a Catholic YouTube host to create a live-action film on Eucharistic miracles. Regis Jabal, host of the YouTube channel The Joy of the Faith, is the co-producing is co-producing the movie along with Angelo Labuti, who has worked on famous films such as The Avengers, The Lion King 3D, Alvin and the Chipmunks, and Spider-Man. The two said that Blessed Carlo Cutis, an Italian teenager who died in 2006 and was the first millennial to be beatified, was their inspiration for the movie. I think viewers need to know that Blessed Carlo Cutis's mom is in this film, and she's a big fan of the movie. Labuti told CNA that the goal of the movie is to evangelize those who have been misled by about the reality of the Eucharist. The co-producers are excited about their live-action movie format because they believe many people, believers and non-believers, will be willing to sit down and enjoy a quality film. The film includes Catholic figures such as Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Cardinal Francis Arinzi, former Prefect of the Vatican's Congregation of Divine Worship, Father Donald Calloway, author of The Consecration to St. Joseph, theologian Dr. Scott Hahn, Catholic Answers host Tim Staples and Lila Rose, president of Live Action. The film also features interviews with scientists on the miracles. So far, more than $300,000 have been raised for the film, but the two co-producers are looking to double that number. The role of Jesus is being played by actor Robert Renzi, who told CNA that disbelief in the Eucharist is because the Church of Relativism subject subjection of truth and that feel-good theology has crept in and spread throughout the church. Renzi believes that every human being has an objective craving of the truth, goodness, and beauty that can only be satisfied by the true bread of life, the Eucharist. He told CNA that he is honored to play the role of Jesus and that the film aims to take the audience on a cinematic journey into the heart of these miracles. From Life News, amazing new video shows the incredible development of unborn babies in the womb. Baby Olivia is, a new, um, is an amazing new video that sheds light on an unborn baby's development, already changing minds for life. A project of live action, the three-minute animated video walks through a baby's development week by week, starting at the moment of conception. As I've encountered hundreds of thousands of women through my work with live action, I've always been frustrated by the lack of real education on prenatal development, said Lila Rose, founder and president of live action. We worked with a team of amazing animators to beautifully document the details of preborn life, including heartbeat, fingernails, eyelashes, and even hiccups. Packed into the three minutes is a beautiful computer-generated 3D animation that shows very realistic human movements, including baby Olivia touching her face and yawning. And lastly, from Life News, world's smallest baby born weighing just 7.4 ounces defies doctors' expectations. Thanks be to God, we'll be praying for that little baby. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lake. God love you and have a good Tuesday.
The saint of the day is Blessed Amadeus of Portugal. He was born in 1420 in Morocco as Joao de Menses de Silva. He was born to the Portuguese nobility and was the youngest of 11 children of Rui Gomez and the Count of Viana and Isabel de Menses, brother of Saint Beatrice de Silva Menses. He was a courtier to impress Ele, uh, to Empress Eleonora of Portugal. He married briefly and became a monk later on with the Hernamite uh, Monastery of Santa Maria de Guadalupe for 10 years. He entered the Franciscans in 1453 in Assisi, Italy as a lay brother. He became a hermit and was ordained in 1459. He founded the monastery Virgin of Peace near Milan, Italy and led, to a commu- led a community under a strict Franciscan rule. They were known as the Amadeistin or Amadires or Mergano uh, Reform. And at one point, there were 28 houses following their example, but all eventually merged with the Franciscans. He wrote on prophecy and a commentary on the book of Revelation. Amadeus's work was praised by Pope Sixtus IV, King Ferdinand the Catholic of Aragon, and Saint Louis IX of France. He died on the 10th of August, 1482, in Milan, Italy, of natural causes. His body is buried under the high altar of his monastery in Milan. Blessed Amadeus of Portugal, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen. Amen. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves must whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There was a great uh, comment here from the Catholic commentary, not one that I often go to. I love uh, Ignatius, and I love the Navarre, and I love Haydock, and I love the early church fathers. Uh, but Catholic commentary said this, and I thought it was very powerful. It says, quote, The interests of spiritual, supernatural life must take priority over everything. To love the lower, natural life more is to lose the higher. To hate what is life in this world is the means of self-preservation unto life everlasting. This is the law of self-denial, so often proclaimed by the Savior, of which the highest act is martyrdom. Did you catch that? We are fighting for 80 more years on this planet as if it's everything, as if it means so much, and yet we might lose eternity in the process. Hell is real. People go there, and there is no coming back. Let's fight for souls. Adrian, what did you find? So I'm going to say a lot of similar things. Uh, the Here we have the Feast of St. Lawrence. Today is the Feast of St. Lawrence, and the church chooses as the in the whenever you have, celebrate the Mass of a Martyr to read this passage. And so this passage is referring not only to our Lord's death and resurrection, but also the martyrs. Now, as Cornelius Lapide points out, that if we if that we must not love your life, he says, quote, Love not thy life, lest thou lose it. Love it not in this life, lest thou lose it in life eternal. 
So this is what's important. Uh, in this world, our Lord, our life is short. That's why when our Lord says in this world, indicating the shortness of time and speaking and referring towards and forward to an eternal reward, uh, whatever that may be, whether the reward will be hell or whether the reward will be heaven, we will receive our just rewards. Today is the Feast of St. Uh, Saint Lawrence, so going back to the blood of the martyrs, Tertullian famously said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And Cornelius Lapide finishes that quote and adds, torture us, rack us, condemn us, crush us. Your iniquity is the proof of our innocence. And again, the more exquisite your cruelty, the more does it attract to our sect. We increase in number, the oftener you mow us down. Uh, this is a beautiful passage to show that our Lord desires for us to lay down our lives, to give of ourselves completely and entirely, to be prepared to be killed. We must contemplate these things because one day maybe it'll happen. And so we need to start thinking of these things today for the coming as soon whenever we may be a grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. Amen. Praise be to God. It is time to play the game Fear and Trembling. Are you ready? The phone lines are open. Janelle is waiting to take your call. You could call right now and uh, and be our contestant. You don't need to know the answers to win the game. It's that much fun. The phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, We'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation 
by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share this with anybody. What I'm about to tell you should stay just between us, okay? So there are three things we like to do during the Fear and Trembling Trivia Game segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might just learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God for that. And then, of course, we like to have fun. And our callers, our contestants, they tend to be great sports and laugh right along with us, and we really enjoy that part. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes which, you know, makes it fun for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us and you're trying to figure this out, well, don't worry. What is going on here is I have three Catholic trivia questions. I have a caller on the line, but the caller does not need to know the answers to still win the game. They could not know a single one and win. It's that easy. Praise be to God. And the reason is because I won't ask them the questions. Instead, I will ask Janelle and I will ask Adrian. And one of them will be right, and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Janelle, what are they going to win? They can win a t-shirt and a sweatshirt of their choice from Saint Wave, a shop that sells Catholic apparel, accessories, and stickers. It's run by a Jewish Catholic convert and based off D.C. You can go to www.saint wave.net and that will lead you to their shop on etsy thanks be to god and thank you for sponsoring this week's game show saint wave all right praise be to god don't forget if you don't get on today call back tomorrow you'll get your chance three chances in the coffee cup you may just win who knows but uh, let's go to the phones tom good morning to you thanks for being on our program all right good morning praise be to god tom where are you from uh, uh, originally Houston, Texas, living in Cleveland, Texas, driving on the freeway. <laughs> uh, are you? Is, or what are we talking here? Fifty nine, or where? where, where, where what freeway are you on right now? Houston. Uh, yes, I'm coming in from the north. I'm heading south. I'm driving carefully. <laughs> Please do. Let's not hurt ourselves today. And you know how crazy people are in Houston as they drive. But to Tom, where do you go to church? Uh, I, I go to St. Mary in Cleveland. Oh, Actually, I went to Joey last week because I had to pick up my son, but yeah. Praise be to God. All right, Tom, uh, are you familiar with the rules? You know how the game is played, right? I, I, I say something and I win? Yeah, pretty much. That's that's how it works. Well, well hopefully anyway. Uh, but we're going to go and start the game. Janelle, we'll start with you. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Are you sure? Oh, wait. Uh, I don't know now. Mm, are you sure? Uh, maybe. All right, Janelle, can you tell me? Who is the patron saint of postal workers and mail deliveries? Postal workers and mail deliveries? Yeah. That would be St. Gabriel. Really? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Let's get a second opinion on this. Uh, could be. Sounds reasonable, but let's just see. Adrian, can you tell me? Who is the patron saint of postal workers and mail deliveries? And mail deliveries. Patron saint of postal workers and mail deliveries. Yes, that would be St. Lawrence, the feast day who's today. Really? Mm-hmm. St. Lawrence. 
Huh. Okay, so, uh, Tom, let me just summarize for you. Adrian says it's St. Lawrence, whose feast day is today. Uh, but Janelle is saying it's St. Gabriel. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Tom, what say you? Gabriel. Gabriel. Survey says... Wow, Tom. You, you knew that. You weren't throwing it all. Easy peasy. Very confident in your answer, Tom. Uh, well, I was lucky. <laughs> well, praise be to God. You're in the cup. Congratulations. Uh, I th- you're, I th- this next question, I don't know. It could be easy. I think it's not that bad. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, we'll go back to uh, Adrian for this one. Adrian. Uh-oh. What are the total number of fruits of the Holy Spirit? The total number of fruits of the Most Holy Spirit. Most possible highest number. Well, I mean, there's infinite fruits of the Holy Spirit because, you know, you, our Lord said, by the fruits you shall know them. And, you know, the fruits of every person is all come from the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to say there's an infinite amount of fruits of the Holy Spirit. An infinite amount of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Yep, yep. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, let's go with Janelle. Janelle, uh, can you tell me, what are the total number of fruits of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking most possible. Highest the total number. number. Total number. All right, well, since you're asking for an actual number, uh, I'm going to go with 12. Is 12. infinite not an actual number? <laughs> no, it's a, it's it's a, um, it's it's a concept. Yeah, it's a concept. It's a concept. It's not a number. Up words. Yeah. I don't, you can't. Infinite, this is why you're a theology Infinite major. minus one equals what? Infinite. <laughs> not a number. Okay. All right, so, Tom, welcome back. You got cut off there, but... Uh, just no, that was a little premature dub button there. All right, so Tom, here's the deal. We're looking for the total number of fruits of the Holy Spirit. Adrian seems to think there's an infinite amount, whereas Janelle seems to think it's 12. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Tom, what say you? The number of what? Fruits. Fruits of the Holy Spirit. Oh. Oh. Uh. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would just say they numbered 12 of them and called them those fruits. <laughs> I think there's more than that, but I'm going to say 12. Survey says. <laughs> you got it. You got there it. There are 12. Tom, you're great at this guessing game, my friend. You are in for two. All right. <laughs> Praise be to God. Are, is everything okay? You, you got cut off. Is it just the cell signal dropped out on you? Yes, New Caney doesn't have T-Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Same. All right, praise be to God. All right, so you're in for two. We could get a triple here, and that would be a perfect score. This next one, if you don't know history, this might be a tricky one. I don't know, but let's see if we can't get you through it anyway. We're going to go back to Janelle. Janelle, can you tell me? What is the term used to describe the exceptionally important bulls of the papacy. So these were documents the Pope would write and send out to heads of state, if I'm not mistaken. But what were the ones that were exceptional called? They weren't just bulls. They were... Exceptionally well, important bulls of the papacy. Exceptionally important bulls. Um, I think I read somewhere in the Vatican cookbook that they used hmm. American Angus. Really? Um, the, it was one of the most uh, expensive uh, meats on the market. Are you, so, are you being serious? Yes. Uh, wow. So the most important bull used by the Vatican, by the papacy, is mm-hmm. American Angus. American Angus. American Angus. Mm, yes. I could see it personally. Yes. 
Uh, I can see it. Let's, but let's let's just see what Adrian says first. Adrian, can you tell me what is the term used to describe the exceptionally important bulls of the papacy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A golden bull, not a golden calf, but a golden <laughs> bull. <laughs> Awfully close there, don't you think, Adrian? It's mm. very kind of different. Mm. All right, so uh, Tom, here's the deal. Adrian says it is the golden bull that is the exceptionally important bulls of the papacy, whereas Janelle is saying it's called the American Angus. Mm. Fifteen seconds mm. on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Tom, what say you? Uh, uh, golden bull. He got I it. I didn't even he see got the survey it. says yet. You're very, very quick there, Adrian. Knowledge you with. Congratulations, Tom. Perfect score today. How do you feel? Thank you. Oh, so you uh, praise God. I didn't have an accident, and I won. <laughs> well, you're in Thank the cup you. for three chances anyway. You're going to have to tune in on Friday to determine whether or not you are the winner, if it be God's will. But uh, I'm glad you didn't get into an accident. Now, where are you off to today? Are you headed to work? Well, no, actually, I'm going to Kingwood because my friend is moving to Michigan, and he's got me driving his van <laughs> to Michigan. So I'm going to Michigan today. You're going to Michigan today? Wow. How And how many hours will it take you to get to Michigan, Tom? Well, I'm going to stop by my sister's house and get some coffee in Dallas. A lot of coffee in Dallas. <laughs> no, I'm going to take about three days. Three days. Wow. wow. How are you going to listen to the show for the next two days? You're going to have to use Get the, the GRN uh, app. The GRN app, I think, to, to tune in. Uh, I could try that. I've always <laughs> used the radio one previous, but yes. Yeah, on your phone, search for the Guadalupe Radio Network app in the app store, and you'll be able to listen live right over your phone. Make it easy. Uh, but uh, praise be to God, Tom. Thank you for your time today. You're in the cup. Tune in Friday to see if you win. Friday to see if I win. Okay, got it. God bless you, Tom. Have a nice, safe trip to Michigan, by the way. Safe travels to you. And uh, God bless you. Uh, we're going to put you on hold so we get your phone number just in case. But that is going to do it for the radio side of the program. Tom was a lot of fun, praise be to God, even in spite of the cell phone trouble he was having there in New Caney. But we're very grateful he was on the program. And uh, tomorrow, praise be to God, we're going to have a great guest on for you. I think uh, Dr. Ver Schrin, a Catholic scientist, champions the Shroud of Turin. Have you ever been curious about the Shroud of Turin? There's the science and the evidence for our Lord and Savior. Well, tomorrow we're going to have a conversation around that. You're going to have to tune in 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. But if you can join us for the after show here in a few minutes, hang out with us live on video at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more conversational, a little bit more casual about the conversation anyway. 
So you get to drive the agenda. If you're brand new here and you've never commented before, well, let me encourage you. You get to drive the conversation. What would you like to talk about? Literally anything can be can be discussed. You can put that in the com box. And if you're a first-time commenter, well, we lavish a little bit of extra love on you. Praise be to God. So uh, we're not on YouTube, as we've discussed. We, we're not allowed to be because, you know, hey, uh, we don't. We don't apparently uh, abide by the rules of the platform. Mike K., good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Praise be to God. Mike K. also liked American Angus. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to Google uh, the different cow breeds, and I went on the Wikipedia, and I saw all the lists. The <laughs> long he, list. he, he also thought the Scottish Long-y Highland nice. would have been a good choice, and yes, I agree with the, you, Mike. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, the incredibly furry uh, Highland cattle are, are pretty amazing, although I've never eaten one. Maybe someday. Yes, uh, I've had um, Kobe beef and uh, Waggies is really good. <laughs> I wouldn't a- know. I'm a peasant. We don't have a lot of that stuff. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. My case says uh, Janelle in Texas. The only acceptable answer is Longhorn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I've ever had a Longhorn. Really? Uh, have you ever seen the African Longhorn? Battle? Oh, yeah. That is huge. Like the massive horns. The, circ- the circumference is, is massive. Incredible. Oh incredible horns, by the way. Uh, speaking of horns. The horns of the apocalypse. I thought it was appropriate fitting. to do so. It's very, very fitting. Very fitting. Hey, what's the longest, uh, what is the longest road trip you've been on? I'd like to know. Comment. Let us know. What's the longest road trip you've ever been on? Adrian, uh, have you been on a road trip? Like, like you drove. You did the driving. What's the longest uh, drive you've ever made? Uh, that's a tough question. Let me think. I've driven um, to New Orleans, which was only like six hours. But I've also driven to Dallas, which is like six hours. No, Dallas is three I'm and a half. Joking, <laughs> six joke. hours. Well, maybe from Dickinson, it's six hours. Uh, but it's uh, <laughs> but not from my house. I did a sure. day trip. I drove all the way to Lockhart, Texas which is um, outside of Austin. Mm. And I went there and then came back the same day, uh, which was like almost six hours. It was about six hours. I literally just went to get barbecue. At you drove six hours I drove to get six barbecue. hours to go to Black's Barbecue. Are you it's, saying it's that good? It's that good. I don't know, it man. It's that good, dude. I don't know. It's like... You're saying you passed up uh, like probably three dozen barbecue joints yes. along the yes. way. And you're saying all of those, eh, no good. No, not eh. no good, but they're not they're not blacks. It's not worth the gas money, man. Dude. I'm so sorry. No, it was great. No. Best barbecue Come in Texas. On. Hands down, easily. <sighs> and you got to go to the original Black's Barbecue, too, which is in Lockhart. Uh, the other ones I hear are uh, good, too, but they're not as good. Got to go to Black's. It's still run. It's run by... Um, by the found the uh, founder's son is is now the chef there. Really, mm-hmm. amazing! It's excellent, excellent stuff. Pocahontas says she uh, drove uh, New Jersey to Idaho. That's a pretty long trip. That's a pretty long trip. Uh, let's see. Uh, Don says he drove from Denton, which is just north of Dallas. See, it said Germany to Sweden. Wow, <laughs> that's only like uh, two hours though, right? But you have to cross up the channel too, don't you? Uh, so was that by ferry? How did you do that? Was, is there a tunnel? I don't, I don't even know. Uh, Don says he drove from Denton to New Jersey, New York, and Maryland. And Lori drove to St. Louis and back. My grandpa was a truck driver when he was younger, and he drove from Houston to New York 
and back in two days. So when we moved from New Hampshire down to Houston in late 06, so in, I came in 06, my family followed me three months later in 07, and um, I made the trip down in two days from New Hampshire to San Antonio. And then when my I, I flew back up and drove the moving van, and my family flew, and I beat them here. <laughs> I drove the truck like straight. I think I stopped for one nap somewhere in Arkansas. And, uh, and then I just, I, I hightailed it. So I went and picked them up at the airport when, here. And it took me like a day and a half or something like that. Day and, day and three quarters, I don't remember. But it was pretty hardcore. It was awesome. Uh, the, the the downside about drives like that though is you don't enjoy like the the, the like the places right you don't get to take you didn't it all go in. on the scenic route you know I, and I I prefer the trip I the route I took was I tried to avoid New York City because New York City obviously you should avoid that like the plague right so I drove around it I went through the Poconos which is incredibly beautiful if you've never been through the Poconos I encourage it and then I came down. Um, through uh, Maryland and Virginia, and then I hooked a right and went through Tennessee. Tennessee is such a beautiful place. You know, Virginia, such a beautiful place. And then I came through Arkansas, down through North Texas. Uh, it was great. Glenn says he went to Connecticut and back, praise be to God. Wow. And I know he stopped at the shrine in Alabama, which is incredibly beautiful. Mike um, Hayes says uh, he went from Seattle, Washington to Virginia via the Southern Route, went through Armarillo, and had barbecue. The sing- longest single day was Oklahoma City to Nashville. Did really? he make it to Amarillo by morning? Amarillo by morning. Oh, no. Up <laughs> from San Antonio. You knew I was going to sing that. Why, what do you mean you're giving me an oh no for? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, last year, though, I went on a mission trip, took my family on a mission trip in September to uh, Montana. And uh, we, we did a, um, a retreat for men with the King's Men up in Montana. And then we also collected uh, blankets and jackets for the Indian Reservation outside of Glacier National Park. And we uh, visited the priest there, Father Joe. And um, it was a great trip, but it was it was massive, and we were hightailing it up, and we were hightailing it back. So it was, but it was beautiful. If I could, I would, in a heartbeat, live in in Montana. It's so beautiful up there. Everything is massive there, though. We always think of Texas as big. I mean, the animals in Montana are monstrous. The, I I got confused. I was driving the guys to confession on on the Saturday of the retreat, and uh, in my van. And I saw what I thought were deer in a field on the, out of the corner of my eye. And I'm trying, you know, the, the roads, the back roads are like 75 miles an hour there. And I'm like white knuckle gripping it because I'm like, it's, swir- it's swervy. There are bears and elk and crazy animals. So I'm trying not to kill anybody. And I just see these, uh, these, these animals out of the side of my eye. And I thought they were deer in the field. They turn out to be birds. So massive. So massive. Christopher Chance, welcome back, man. It's praise be to God. Christopher Chance de- deserves a uh, like a first time commenter love. Yes, I mean it's been like months since you've commented. Praise be to God. Welcome back. You know, Joe, I just got home. Got home from where? Where'd you get home from? Where were you? Let us know. Hmm. You know what I saw yesterday that I found uh, I haven't seen in a long time. And I have, it's arguably the greatest speech in cinema history. You heard my speech? I, mm, yeah, yes. 
Yeah. That's okay. The second greatest speech oh, okay. in cinema history. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Charlton Heston as Mark Anthony after the murder of Julius Caesar. Do you know what I'm referring to? I'm going to send this to you and we'll play a, a snippet. You're and playing. We're going to get YouTube. YouTube's not even listening. They no, kicked Facebook, us off. Facebook. They kicked YouTube, kicked us off. Facebook kicked off Brie Dell because of her intro music. What? That's not possible. And they tried to kick us off for playing the um, Olympics sounder that those guys singing at the Olympics. Wow. They always coming after us. They coming after us? Mm hmm. Oh. Are you talking about the. Um... Oh, it's so good. Charlton Heston at his best. He was at his best as Mark Anthony. Most people think of him as Moses. Ten Commandments. Oh, Mark Anthony. This he definitely has the voice. Is, is brilliant. It is so brilliant. This speech. As a kid, I had to memorize I, this speech. Yeah, I school. used to have that memorized. Et tu brute. Remember that? Oh man, Friends, it'd be kind of cool to see a remake of that right now. Let me see if I can remember that. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I have come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Yes, the evil men exactly. do live after them. Um, but he turns, darn, that's he, all I flips, he flips it on him. See, Mark Anthony, all the senators, they, they murder Caesar, right? And Mark Anthony's in this tough spot because does, he was the adopted son of Caesar. So does he defend Caesar and then possibly get murdered himself? So he gets the mob together in front of the body of, of Julius Caesar, and he begins to uh, speak, and he, you know the, the senators are listening, and he's calling them noble. Oh, Brutus, is so, he's a noble man, right? He's a noble man. Noble, he's an honorable man. And, and then all of a sudden he begins to turn things over, and he turns the mob on the other uh, senators. It's so brilliant. It's just so good. And Charlton Heston did such a fantastic job with that. Um, praise be to God. Jeff Burrier, good morning to you. Good to see you on Facebook since we're not on YouTube these days. Uh, Jesus Robles said he drove from Houston to Michoacan, Mexico. How long did that take, Jesus? How long of a drive is that? Um, he said he stopped at five churches where the bodies of Cristero Saints rest. Wow. That would be kind of a cool, if it wasn't for the violence in Mexico, that'd be kind of a cool pilgrimage. My Jeff, family. I think oh, tomorrow, okay. Jeff asked, when is CDT out of YouTube jail? I think it's tomorrow, but it won't be till after the show. Right. So, so that would be Thursday because we got kicked off uh, last week after the show. So we probably won't get access until tomorrow after the show. So Thursday, we'll be back on YouTube. Uh, Marlon Brando as Anthony. Is that better than uh, than uh, Charlton Heston? I don't know. I'm a Charlton Heston fan. I'm a Charlton Heston fan. Remember when Charlton Heston, before he died, he was president of the NRA, and he held up that flintlock on stage, and he's like, you're going to have to take it from my cold, dead hand. No. That was brilliant. I love that man. He, he, was, so, he was so brilliant, Charlton Heston. Uh, Jesus says, uh, Our Lady of San Juan in Guadalupe, Pueblo, as uh, was totally great. Uh, Guanajuato, did I say that correctly? Guanajuato, gold-covered altars. Gold-covered altars. Wow. That's pretty crazy. 21 hours nonstop. Why are you... right to the Golden Bull? Gabriel asks, why are we in YouTube jail, Adrian? Why are we in YouTube jail? Because... 
Honestly, I have no idea. The reason <laughs> they gave is medical misinformation. It was for the interview we did last Friday with um, um, Christopher Ferrara with the Thomas More Society. And he, uh, we were talking about religious exemptions to taking the COVID vaccine and uh, what we can and can't do uh, and how should we approach the situation. Uh, if you can watch that interview, you can find it on Rumble. If you won't find it on YouTube, but um, yeah, that's the reason they they gave was medical misinformation. Even though we're talking about legal issues, um, but anyway, we're off of YouTube. We got a strike there, and uh, yeah, so that's what happened. So I've been spending a lot of time doing some research, pondering, discerning our path forward. Um, the trouble is. I've been re-looking, re-investigating, re-analyzing all of the alternative sites to YouTube. And they all have problems. Every single one of them has downsides. You know, our call is to be missionaries to, uh, for the evangelization of, of peoples. How can you do that if you're not where peoples are? So one of the downsides, uh, almost all the alternatives, is there's just hardly anybody there it, compared to YouTube, of course. So there's people, but... Not in the same numbers. So you, you want to be in the space where the numbers are for obvious reasons. Um, the other thing about YouTube is it's just way more technically advanced than all the alternatives. Uh, it just has things sorted out from a technological standpoint, analytics, uh, metadata, all of that. Way, it's just better. I mean, it's had more time to mature than these others, so maybe it could be possible that these others do mature over time, but at this point, YouTube has that beat. The downside is the more obvious case, and that is censorship. They simply will not allow you to have a conversation, although I, 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 still, find, I still find videos of large channels. Ours is not large, but I've seen really large channels have conversations similar to ours, and they seem to get away with it. I'm not sure it's because, maybe it's because those channels are monetized and we're not. Maybe it's because those channels have larger audiences and we don't. We've seen YouTube delete large channels. So it's confusing to me how they're applying these rules. I mean, again, I've seen these channels talk just like we do with similar guests as we do. And, and they don't get taken down. I, it's, it's confusing. But see, here's the deal. Either way, do we want to be beholden to YouTube? about what conversations we feel like we want to have? The answer is no. We feel like we should be able to talk about those issues from a Catholic perspective, irregardless of how YouTube feels about it. So the trick is to find the way forward. We still should have a presence on YouTube, but it, it may evolve somewhat. It may become more uh, uh, sanitized, whereas we may put our unfiltered content elsewhere. Now, one of the, the, the platforms as I've been talking about is uh, Odyssey. Now, Odyssey has downsides, too, but one of the upsides is you can stream live there and then embed that stream on a web page. So right now, the embedded player on our web page uh, is through a service called Caster. And the thing is, um, there's a lot of buffering on that, and I, and I would love to fix that. The, the trouble is I have to commit to spending uh, some $1,300 to get over that. And to get us the consistency and the quality level that I think we ought to, ought to have. But before I spend $1,300 of hard-earned donated money from listeners, because I don't want to waste their money. I don't want to be irresponsible with their don donated dollars. 
I need to investigate all the other options. So I've been looking at these other streaming options. You can stream live on Rumble, but Rumble comes with downsides. You, you can't. You can't control metadata. Once you publish something, it, that's it. It's locked in stone. You can't go back and fix it. You can't go back and change things. You have you have no analytics. There's just so many things that aren't awesome. You can't do playlists there, for instance. Um, they have this weird licensing thing. You know, it's just there's so many things on Rubble that we don't love that we wish would be different. Um, you can't stream live on Gab, as far as I can tell. I, although we do post the links to the live streams there. It, the platform itself doesn't do that. Well, Odyssey does do live streaming. The trouble with Odyssey is it's built on blockchain technology, which we discussed the other day. It's cryptocurrency. And that is really what drives the platform of Odyssey. So the trick is I have to earn 50 of these credits in order to unlock live streaming as an option. So I'm at 11.56 right now. And here's what I could do. I could send a link to the CDT Insider email list and say, hey, please do me a favor, go to Odyssey, sign up, and follow us there. And I probably would get a ton of points just doing that. And I'm tempted to do that. But I'm going to be honest with you. I spent a lot of time looking at Odyssey the last couple days. It still feels like a little bit like the wild, wild west. The advantages on Odyssey are its technology is a little bit more advanced than, than Rumble. We can do playlists. You can post content there. We're backing up our YouTube uh, up catalog onto odyssey it's available now you can go there and watch now um so there's a lot of that kind of thing is very good but the kind of content that's posted there by other people feels a little bit like the wild wild west to me and i don't know that i just want to send people to that and i i wouldn't blame you if you went there and went i don't want to sign up i don't want an account here i wouldn't blame you in the least so yesterday i also tried <laughs> i have some bitcoin that I, I was experimenting through some uh, mining at a, with a computer at home, and I earned some Bitcoin. So I thought, let me use my Bitcoin to purchase the necessary credits so that I can just start live streaming and then test live stream to see if it's any good and then maybe go that route. Well, no matter what I tried, it didn't work. You have to, you, you can't transfer apparently in the crypto world less than 50 bucks worth of crypto. And I don't have 50 bucks worth of crypto. I had like, I've got like 38 and no matter what I tried, it just, nothing was working. Now I grant that I'm, it's probably user error, but either way, that's kind of where we're at. So, um, crypt odyssey isn't terrible. Uh, but I'm hoping to get to live streaming on odyssey to test that service. Yeah, that may be a good viable alternative for us to live stream into Odyssey, post that, uh, embed that onto our website, and then direct traffic there so that we can comment and watch live with good call, good quality. Otherwise, I think the path forward is going to be I'm going to have to invest the $1,300 in, in Caster to give us the kind of quality stream that doesn't buffer on our website. And then uh, we'll post to, to YouTube, but we're going to have to take out the stuff that the overlords just don't allow and then keep our unfiltered content on places like Odyssey and Rumble and, and, and things like that. You know, mysteriously, Facebook has been less of an issue, wouldn't you say, Adrian? Um, they're less of an issue for uh, maybe they're just not as advanced in terms of uh, looking at specific words that are being said they're less of an issue for that but they're way more of an issue in flagging everything that's that that might be copyrighted if there's music playing they strike it if they if we play a video they strike it 
if there's like anything going on, they strike it for copyright. Uh, but in terms of like freedom of speech, they're much less. Um, they're more lenient. They're more lenient, but I don't know if it's because I think it's more because they don't have the technology yet to just like to analyze everything everyone's saying the way YouTube does. Um, because they still flag everybody's comp their uh, posts whenever they people post about COVID, they flag them and they put them down and they uh, all that jazz put medical misinformation tags on them. So I think it's uh it's probably not out of benevolence. But <laughs> they don't have our best interests at heart. You're saying I'm, I'm saying we can't. Kind of we uh, we shouldn't assume so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gabriel says I was about to say Facebook was the censorship king. Yep, so yep. How are you here on how how so how you're how you are here on here is, is interesting. I didn't learn to read until yesterday, Gabriel. Okay. So it's my fault. No, <laughs> my bad. Sorry. Uh, well, we, like we just said, I think they they be, Facebook begins with labeling your post with like the information they feel is correct, whereas YouTube just strikes you, deletes things, and takes stuff down. Now, as I said, I think I said this yesterday, maybe the day before. Yesterday was Monday. I said this yesterday. Um, YouTube goes to the World Health Organization to determine who's telling the truth and who isn't. So, in YouTube's worldview. The World Health Organization is the arbiter of truth. Uh, let us not forget the connection between the World Health Organization and the communist government of China. Well, see, the science is, uh, is, is scripture. The CDC is the magisterium, and Dr. Fauci is the pope. Ouch. And his, uh, is his most exemplary bulls called American Angus? No. 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 He wants us no. to eat the bugs. <laughs> Ouch. American cockroach. That's even worse. Tammy says, Nasty. is it specific individuals that are making the decision uh, over on YouTube? So it, the way it starts is it the algorithm is designed to catch the first layer, right? So the algorithm is listening. And so it's interesting because in 2017, I've shared this story before with you guys, but some of you maybe aren't, weren't around. I was producing content for uh, a YouTube channel on archery and I built a good audience. I was, I was having lots of success. It was wonderful. Um, but in 2017, in January 2017, the first quarter, YouTube and Facebook announced almost simultaneously new algorithms. And those new algorithms changed the game for YouTube cr content creators like myself. And part of that was introducing the ability to censor. So when they rolled it out, when they were telling us in 2016 what was kind of coming – they tried to they tried to play up these features as like a good thing, and one of it was every single video would be analyzed uh, from an audio perspective, so that they would create automatic transcriptions and and Google would know everything you're saying, and from a creator's perspective, you thought okay this could be good, which means I could use keywords to drive traffic to my content because I'm speaking about these things. Google knows my video is relevant to a topic. And yes, that is a good thing. That makes your video more relevant to searchable terms, and they're going to deliver that known content to people looking for it. It's fine. That works great. But that also means, kind of like this Apple story that I discussed yesterday and that uh, Janelle read in her news segment today with Apple reviewing your videos – your I'm not your videos, but your pictures looking for child abuse. Once you've opened Pandora's box, it's hard to put everything back. Once they have the technology to look at your content and analyze it and know what it is, well, now they can do what they want with it. 
based on their worldview, their opinion. So we saw in 2017 this rollout of this technology that then led to, well, you're talking about politics and not the kind we approve of, so you're out of here. Uh, and this now it's vaccines. After January 6th, it was anything Donald Trump and elections. Boy, they did not like that. Now it's vaccines. And we weren't even discussing the efficacy of vaccines with uh, with um, Christopher Ferrara from the Thomas More. Is it Society or Institute? I keep getting that messed up. It's Society, right? Thomas More and Society? Yeah. Your mic isn't on. Your mic isn't on. <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny because you uh, you got it correct today, and then you cr- and then you corrected to make it wrong. And I yeah. thought that was so funny. You were just like, "Oh yeah, we had a uh, with uh, uh, Thomas More Society on. I mean Institute." And I was I know, like, I, "I was like, but you got it right." I, I, I don't know. I, I I kept messing it up. I'm so sorry. But at any rate, uh, I'm gonna actually post. I forgive you for li- them. You're you're awesome, dude. You're I, I really appreciate you. No problem. Um, I'm gonna. Jennifer's asking. Hello, thanks for your show. What is the Supreme Court case mentioned by Christopher Ferrara regarding protection of personally held religious beliefs? I've tried to find that. I think it's the Little Sisters of the Poor case, but not sure. I'm a federal employee, and uh, they are considering mandating vaccines. I am uh, Jennifer. I'll be praying for you. You know, similarly, um, I'm I'm posting a link to the interview right now for you. Um, Similarly, we just just discovered that they're going to be requiring all military personnel also to um, get the vaccine, which is quite horrible, in my opinion. And uh, so I'm going to post a link. I, I, I tried it a minute ago, but talking and speaking simultaneously apparently is not one of my skill sets. Um, there it is. There it goes. Talking and speaking. Simul- speaking, of- talking, and posting links. So I told you it's not one of my specialties. <laughs> um, I just proved my own, my, my own theory. There you go. Uh, at any rate, um, it's a difficulty for sure that we're all going to have to face. You know, um, there's a lot on the table these days, and things are happening very, very fast. Things are speeding up. And Dr. Fauci said the other day that uh, once the FDA approves these vaccines, we can see this even take a, a, a faster pace. And I believe that's probably going to be the case. So understanding what your rights are is very critical. And you two would not allow us to have that conversation. And I have to say, I don't know, Adrian, tell me I'm wrong, but You're I don't wrong. think – I knew that was coming. <laughs> I walked straight into that. I mean, full throttle, bam. <clears throat> you see what I was dealing with? The good news is I get extra opportunity at humility, patience, perseverance. And oh, so I have less time in purgatory than others in the room. But <laughs> you, at, at, at you, 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 you cued that up for me. You cued that up for me. I, I did. And you're welcome. Um now, what was I going to say? I, I could <laughs> grief. I've lost my thought. Oh, I, I didn't think Christopher Ferrara was bombastic. I didn't think oh, he was embellishing. Great. I don't think he he uh, spoke hyperbolically about anything. He didn't levy a lot of personal opinion in the conversation. It was pretty straightforward. And YouTube did not approve. <laughs> Chris, Adrian cracked himself up. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very good I'm making myself laugh. I'm an expert at it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Christopher Farrar, he's a great guest. He's, uh, oh, we should get him on and talk about the third secret of Fatima. He did, wrote a book on that a long time. He did a debate with, um, with someone on Fatima. I'm forgetting who it was, but he's also both of the people that. 
Why is your mic? Sorry, I had I need to cough. With? Oh, okay. And, but I don't have a cough button. Like, so I had to just, I had to who's turn. in charge of your mic over there? Because they they gotta get fired. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I don't have you're a cough ha- button, so this is a problem. Okay. Uh, but no, no. Christopher Ferrara did a great debate. Uh, you can't get it for free. Unfortunately, you have to pay for it. But both, I'm trying to think of the guy's name who who he debated. But they both have written excellent books on Fatima, and they were arguing about some of the. Uh, more controversial points of Fatima. They agree on everything on Fatima that are all the major things, obviously, but they have disagreements on some of the minutia of, uh, of like different things that maybe Sister Lucia did or did not say. Uh, it's a great debate. Uh, so I think they would both be great guests talking about, yeah. about that. Lori um, said, how much for a cough button? Well, everybody has a cough <laughs> button except for me because uh, right. I'm at the board. And the cough button for this mic is over there, so it actually I'd have to get up, walk around, hit the cough button. At that point, it doesn't. Even, you just could have just walked over there and coughed because you're so far away from the mic at that point. But, literally, yeah. I'm going to show you the I'm going to show the camera this, but we literally have have a cough button. I don't know if you can see that on camera, but we, that orange button at the bottom is literally literally says cough. So we are special people. Adrian, however, hmm. Mm. They uh, they they abuse me. Uh, at any rate, um, I wanted to mention too. There are fresh rumors coming out of Rome about a new document imposing traditionis custodis on those bishops who refused, uh, or not refused, but didn't want to implement it in the full th- full throttled way that it was intended. So let's pray that these rumors are not true. Let's pray that this is not the case. Seems very rigid, uh, over heavy-handed. Let's pray for peace. Let's pray for unity in the church. Let's pray for the Pope, the cardinals, the bishops. But let's pray that this uh, this heavy-handed approach does not come through. Amen. We'll see you back here tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Pray for a special intention today. I'd be very grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. Thanks for hanging out with us on Catholic Draft Time.